Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You cannot get rid of tyranny by fighting tyrants. For a very good reason. Tyranny doesn't exist independently of something else, which is more important. There is a something else which has to be defined before you know what tyranny is. What's that? It's opposite. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. We Are Not Cattle Radio. And good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. Sorry I had to get the the uh, other recording set up so we don't um, sound like crap. Uh, welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Sonoya, Georgia, home literally and figuratively of The Walking Dead. It is the 12th day of December. 2015 and we're going to be live here for the next hour joining me here in a few moments will be josh wiley of statelesshomesteading.com we're going to be getting into a lot of different topics tonight obviously we're going to be talking about san bernardino and we're not going to spend a ton of time on that because it's an ever-evolving um ever-evolving lie so we'll wait until they get their lies straight and then we'll cover the lie just like we did with sandy hook and just like we've done with 9-11 and some other if uh false flags or this just looks odd. The only thing that I can say is it just looks odd. We're going to get into that. We are going to um, kick off the show here in a couple of minutes by going over something I think is very crucial for us to understand, which is the the idea of distractionary media, uh, utilizing multiple talking points to kind of conflate the message and leave the, um, at the end of the day, looking to leave the uh, individual in cognitive dissonance, which um, which we do see here in America, because everybody either has the mindset that it's all rigged, which that would be yours truly, or they have the mindset that uh, they're not going to have any effect. And there's something to be said about that as well. So we're going to get into that. We're going to touch on, obviously, uh, COP21 uh, not turning out the way that everybody wanted it to. I don't think everybody's getting what they want. I um, I saw an awesome article talking about India and what India wanted, uh, basically towing, telling everybody at COP21 to go to hell in a handbasket unless they got some more money. Shocker. Things that we've been telling you for months that this is a big cash grab. It has nothing to do with saving your butt. It has everything to do with lining the pockets of the third world uh, and their dictators and uh, put them under the thumb of the IMF and the World Bank. And we will also, at the tail end, we have to talk a little bit about Mr. Donald Trump. As everybody in the Republican Party gets very enamored with this gentleman, we have to pull it back a little bit and uh, go over some of his recent quotes and what they really mean. Uh, not what the mainstream media tells you, but um, what this actually means to people like you and me that are freedom-minded individuals. Holy cow. What do we do if we actually want some freedom here in America? Well, you, you, um, you don't vote for anybody. I guess that's the best way to start because we've got nobody that's promising freedom and everybody that's promising some form of tyranny. So with that, um, I will bring up Mr. Josh Wiley of statelesshomesteading.com. I do have the chat room open, so if you guys want to come and and chat with us here or throw anything at us there, uh, you can also um, call in if you so desire, uh, 602-753-1916. I would hold that till about the last 10 minutes of the show when we're starting to do our wrap-ups. But uh, joining me now on the line is Josh Wiley. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jake, as always. And I really hope that some of the readers and, uh, I guess, listeners of our one podcast episode from Stateless Homesteading uh, are joining us on this show tonight. Uh, I feel bad for not putting out um, 
a blast uh, before coming on, but I guess that's one of the many disadvantages of uh, shunning social media from your life. <laughs> well, you know what? I don't see it as Can't a dis- promote your friend's shows. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't see it as a disadvantage anymore because, uh, as I said uh, on the last show, you and I have um, we've got a couple of ventures that are uh, in the pike that we think are going to be uh, groundbreaking on a couple of different fronts. But we also have. Uh, had a discussion, and Josh is going to help me with this, uh, of moving away from the Blog Talk radio platform. Um, the audio quality is just not there. It is not the type of product that I want to present to people because it makes it rough for you to present um, quality information and quality skepticism to people when you have a poor product. So we're migrating away from that, going to use a couple of different sources, so you will be able to find the, the live stream of the We Are Not Cattle radio show if we decide to do a live show, you will see the ticker on the We Are Not Cattle website that's going to be, um, once again, uh, it's going to get revamped starting at the first of the year as well. Uh, so you'll be able to uh, stay tuned for that and stay tuned for all the episodes and you'll be able to hear them and see, hear them live on the site and have access to all the archives. So um, sorry to get that out of the way, but we'll uh, re- reiterate that as we get to the end of the year. Because I don't want to lose my audience. Because guess what? We're um, Josh. We're growing at twenty five percent a clip. So not too bad for taking a hiatus for a while and and basically bombing out my audience because um, well because I didn't produce any content. So thanks everybody for coming back and sharing the message of uh, of liberty and true individualism and uh, free thought and free thinking and. Holy crap, where do we begin? Let's start with um, this little clip that Josh turned me on to, which I think is uh, a perfect way to describe what we're going through. And this is by uh, Charlie Brooks in 2014. It's called The Wipe, and it was nonlinear warfare. And we've uh, discussed this gentleman uh, a couple of times. But now you are going to have the context for what we are discussing. It's kind of a long clip, so uh, go grab a drink or sit back and relax. Josh and I will sit here and message each other about how we're going to break this down. And uh, uh, Go ahead, Josh. Real quick before we run this one, uh, sure. Charlie Brooker, is, uh, his screen wipes are the program that this uh, BBC Two, I believe, um, yep. mm-hmm. presentation was on. The director is Adam Curtis. Yep. Uh, who all media listeners and viewers? That's probably a name that's familiar to you by now. And um, Josh also turned me on to an interview that I'll put in the show notes um, after the show. Uh, we'll talk about that here um, towards the end of the show if we if we um, if we have time. But uh, that was fascinating and terrifying at the same time, Josh. But anyway, uh, as usual, Josh either uh, enlightens me or disheartens me, and that one I got uh, both, so it was a double whammy. So here we go, Charlie Booker and... Those are the best ones. Nice and bittersweet. Oh, yeah. Well, so uh, here we go. This is uh, Charlie Brookers and um, uh, Adam Curtis, who is a BBC uh, documentary filmmaker. So here we go. Sorry, I'm on the dinosaur machine, everybody. Do you know who this terrorist is? No. This sense of ever-expanding madness has been unfurling all year, not just with ISIS, but with Russia and Ukraine, Israel, Palestine, Ebola, mistrust with politicians, with institutions, with the media, with cultural icons. There's chaos in the USA, chaos in Hong Kong, chaos in the news studio with Jordan. It actually shows people fighting in Jordan in the news studio. It's hilarious. I'll put the uh, video clip in the um, in the, the show notes as well. The news has been so chaotic, the newsreaders themselves don't want to turn up and read it. Even seasoned reporters are chickening out live on air. Nicholas, what does it say? Against this sense that everything's sliding out of control, it's hard to know what to cling to or even what's going on. Here's a personal view from documentary filmmaker Adam Curtis, the man behind The Power of Nightmares and the forthcoming Bitter Lake, on the chaos that seems to be engulfing everything. So much of the news this year has been hopeless, depressing, and above all, confusing. To which the only response is, oh dear. But what this film is going to suggest is that that defeatist response has become a central part of a new system of political control. Cognitive dissonance, everyone. To understand how this is happening, you have to look to Russia and to a man called Vladislav Surkov, who is a hero of our time. Surkov is one of President Putin's advisors, 
and has helped him maintain his power for 15 years. But he has done it in a very new way. Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin. He came originally from the avant-garde art world. And those who have studied his career say that what Surkov has done is import ideas from conceptual art into the very heart of politics. His aim is to undermine people's perception of the world, so they never know what is really happening. Zerkov turned Russian politics into a bewildering, constantly changing piece of theatre. He sponsored all kinds of groups, from neo-Nazi skinheads to liberal human rights groups. He even backed parties that were opposed to President Putin. But the key thing was that Zerkov then let it be known that this was what he was doing which meant that no one was sure what was real or fake. As one journalist put it, it's a strategy of power that keeps any opposition constantly confused. A ceaseless shape-shifting that is unstoppable because it's indefinable. Which is exactly what Surkov is alleged to have done in the Ukraine this year. In typical fashion, as the war began, Surkov published a short story about something he called non-linear war. A war where you never know what the enemy are really up to, or even who they are. The underlying aim, Sokov says, is not to win the war, but to use the conflict to create a constant state of destabilized perception in order to manage and control. But maybe we have something similar emerging here in Britain. Everything we're told by journalists and politicians is confusing and contradictory. Of course, there is no Mr. Surkov in charge, but it's an odd, non-linear world that plays into the hands of those in power. British troops have come home from Afghanistan, but nobody seems to know whether it was a victory or whether it was a defeat. Aging disc jockeys are prosecuted for crimes they committed decades ago, while practically no one in the city of London is prosecuted for the endless financial crimes that are being revealed there. In Syria, we are told that President Assad is the evil enemy. But then his enemies turn out to be even more evil than him. So we bomb them. And by doing that, we help keep Assad in power. But the real epicenter of this non-linear world is the economy. And the closest we have to our own shape-shifting, postmodern politician is George Osborne. He tells us proudly that the economy is growing. But at the same time, wages are going down. He says he is cutting the deficit, but then it's revealed that the deficit is going up. But the dark heart of this shape-shifting world is quantitative easing. The government is insisting on taking billions of pounds out of the economy through its austerity programme. Yet at the very same time, it is pumping billions of pounds into the economy through quantitative easing. The equivalent of £24,000 for every family in Britain. But it gets even more confusing, because the Bank of England have admitted that those billions of pounds have not gone where they are supposed to. A vast amount of the money has actually found its way into the hands of the wealthiest 5% in Britain. Oh, you don't say. It has been described as the biggest transfer of wealth to the rich in recent documented history. It could be a huge scandal, comparable to the greedy oligarchs in Russia a ruthless elite siphoning off billions of public money. But nobody seems to know. It sums up the strange mood of our time, where nothing really makes any coherent sense. We live with a constant vaudeville of contradictory stories that makes it impossible for any real opposition to emerge, because they can't counter it with a coherent narrative of their own. And it means that we as individuals become ever more powerless, unable to challenge anything, because we live in a state of confusion and uncertainty. To which the response is, oh dear. Or you could read history books and kind of get a really good idea of what's about to happen. So Josh, what, do you, what did you take away from that uh, the first time that you saw it? And uh, by the way, everyone, this is uh, this is for people at home. This is pretty much what we're looking at here. There's a vast ocean of shit that you people don't know shit about. All right. So what was your takeaway, Josh? 
or you're just uh, your mind is too addled with cognitive dissonance to know the to know shit from you know a rose at this point. Well, let's but, uh, let's define yeah. terms really quick. Let's define cognitive dissonance. I actually put that in the show link, so I think it's important for us to to define that term and 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 how one becomes dissonant. Certainly. Uh, so cognitive dissonance is the holding of two contradictory ideas in one's head simultaneously, accepting both as true. And what this does is it causes a state of subconscious confusion. Um, you know, George Orwell explained this in 1984 as doublethink, but it's, uh, it's psychological. The psychological phenomenon is known as cognitive dissonance. So, for example, one could believe that the United States gov- government is simultaneously corrupt and evil and also benevolent. Um, which many people that that's that's a, a a form of cognitive dissonance that many people in this country have. And Jake, uh, just before you we move on here to to wherever you want to take that clip because it is a fascinating clip. The first time that I heard it, um, it uh, it resonated with me on so many levels. Not simply because of the parallels to Western society, um, but because Curtis does an excellent job in a lot of his work in kind of exposing the global nature of globalism, who would have thought, right? right. But at the same time, kind of obfuscating that connection. Yeah. Um, but but you, you mentioned uh, a reading of history mm-hmm. uh, to be able to contextualize this stuff. And one of my favorite history books, as you know, well know by now, Jake, is uh, Tragedy and Hope by Georgetown Professor Keller Quigley. And on page 920, he says, In fact, the most successful kind of counter-espionage work is achieved not by permitting access to secrets, but by, or not by preventing access to secrets, excuse me, but by permitting access to information, which is not true. Uh, and this is the, the state that we, we find ourselves in. The, for example, I, I don't know if you wanted to segue directly into COP21 from this clip, um, but we had, that's the most excellent example mm-hmm. of this Surkov-style nonlinear media warfare that I've seen in, in recent memory. And that is a, a propaganda effort which the alternative media, either it was a part of wittingly aspects of it or fell for hook, line, and sinker, because it was only three or four weeks ago that everyone and their brother was passing around these links, lauding Putin. Vladimir Putin yep. and the Kremlin as staunch defenders uh, of the world, uh, of, of human rights against climate change, uh, the climate change marauders at COP21. Uh, they called it a Western scheme to um, to to rape and pillage the third world or something to to that effect, which is of course absolutely true. Um, <laughs> but but of course now we have Jake just uh, this uh, uh, this earlier today from the Guardian. Russia pledges not to stand in the way of Paris climate deal. But uh, on top Vladimir of that, Putin assures on... his negotiators yeah. will not block an agreement, uh, backing other major countries. Christiana Figueres says she's very pleased with this. Uh, and you can go and listen to Vladimir Putin's eight-minute speech uh, at the go. opening of COP21, where he proceeds to lick the boots yes. of his globalist overlords yep. for, you know, to, to, op- to k- kick off the conference. I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that all of that stuff got thrown out the window. And did you, um, ladies and gentlemen, get ready. I was so nice for so long to this guy. But Alex Jones, everyone, is by almost every yardstick now a disinfo agent. I don't know when it happened, but the rhetoric that he uses and trying to go mainline Republican, somebody has bought or got to Alex Jones. He wasn't perfect to begin with, Lord, but he didn't even bring up Putin's speech at all. At all in any of his shows, all he talks about is this savior from the East, how the East is going to save us, how how Putin's now the leader of the free world. And we just heard a six-minute clip explaining why Putin does this. It has nothing to do with him being the leader of the free world. It has him. It, it has everything to do with running a propaganda scheme so that people really don't know and keeping people off kilter, which is the perfect way to blindside somebody that is just as transparent as as glass like Barack Obama which you know what his you know what his talking points are going to be because he's a puppet 
because it's easy because you look at you look at the strategic advisors, you look at their policies, you look at what he said that he wanted to do, and then you look at the actions. How about this one, Josh? This is an oldie but a goodie. Let's go back to speaking of the uh, the great Lord and Savior here. Um, let's see. Uh, here we go. What about this one? This is a good Africa. one. Africa. We're going to all have to work together to find ways in which collectively we reduce carbon. But we make sure that there's some differentiation so that countries that are very wealthy uh, are expected to do more. Uh, and do more, he means what, Josh? He means pay more money. Oh, that, that, that would be pay more, Jake. Yeah. Um, although I don't know if it's as simple as pay more necessarily. I forgot, I, um, I, did, I forgot that on this blog talk thing, one other thing I don't like is that if I, pa- if I stop the clip, it stops already. So let me play the whole thing through, and then I'll, then I'll step on Obama at the end. Sorry about that, Josh. Got a little excited. Must effort. be the wine talking. We're going to all have to work together to find ways in which collectively we reduce carbon but we make sure that there's some differentiation so that countries that are very wealthy uh, are expected to do more pay more and countries that are still developing get bribes. Know, obviously they shouldn't be resigned to poverty simply because uh, you know the West and Europe and, and America got there first that's this is such that bullshit. wouldn't be fair. But everybody's going to have to do something. Morning. Everybody's going to have to make some important choices here. And you know, I expect that it's going to be your generation that helps lead this. Because if we don't, it's going to be your generation uh, that suffers the most. Uh, ultimately, if you think about all the youth that everybody's mentioned here in Africa, if everybody's raising living standards to the point where everybody's got a car. And everybody's got air conditioning, and everybody's got a big house. Oh, oh. Uh, well, the planet will boil over <laughs> unless we find new ways of producing energy. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Josh. The, the planet will boil over if people in Africa get out of poverty. And, and also, I love how he, um, he doesn't allow them to have coal, which is the big contingency, um, by the way. Uh, for India not going along with COP21 because they want them to reduce coal. And India just said, no, we're not going to do that. It's going to set our country back 20 years. This is the only way to do it. This is what we're going to do. And then, of course, they said, well, if you were offered more money, and they're like, well, absolutely, we would consider it. So sorry to step on you, Josh. What were you saying now about um, uh, about the Obama clip? Oh, well, you, you spurred a number of other thoughts. I was just going to say, I guess... Paying more might be a little bit of a misnomer in the sense that what he truly means is cutting more. Uh, the the only people who are actually going oh, to pay more. Oh, we would be we would be paying more. We would yeah, be paying more. There we go. Individuals will pay more for for their for their electricity certainly. But it's for uh, the earth, Josh. But, Mother guy, but, uh, let's uh, do it. The national body will not will not be charged more for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's an important distinction to make. Um, another area that you touched on was the the nature of India's involvement in COP21 and mm-hmm. whether or not they're actually going to go along with this, because they have uh, been fairly vocal about their resistance, uh, given the sheerly draconian measure that the, the clean power plan for the world will inevitably uh, bring to coal power, which is, again, India's one of, one of India's largest sources of growth. Uh, and I would turn people's eye back to Rio 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the document from the UNCED meetings, uh, uh, as revealed by George Washington Hunt. Uh, and Jake, I know you have a link to this document on Scribd. Yeah. Um, but one, one of the aspects of this, and again, on statelesshomesteading.com, I've been writing about COP21 for the past five or six months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of these documents are linked there and broken down in, in extensive detail. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that happened at Re- in Rio 92 was uh, India's delegates, as well as China's delegates and a number of other countries that would eventually join the BRICS and g- come to make up at least some allies of the BRICS, like Chile and Venezuela, uh, came out and said, we are, we're not here for aid, um, but what we want <laughs> is uh, 
compens- compensatory financial flows. Yeah. Uh, and they wanted to they want to stress uh, they wanted stress on development as opposed to um, ne- necessarily environmental cohesion. So they said, if you want us to sign up, then we want cash money. We don't want loans, and we want uh, infrastructure at least uh, at least so we can be industrialized before you deindustrialize us. Was essentially what they were asking for, and it, it seems to me that there's been something of a compromise reached, uh, and this gets into a, a large topic that I don't necessarily think we have the scope to discuss on this episode tonight, no. and that that of course being uh, the rigging of the precious metals markets. Mm-hmm. Um, but the suppression of silver has been very interesting for for China and India specifically. Uh, solely because of the sheer amount of industrial silver that they are importing in the form of 1,000 ounce bars, mm-hmm. and there are there there are a number of sources out of Hong Kong who are very connected to the solar industry, saying that this is what these these bars are for. Uh, there's a lot of um, you know precious metals analysts like SRS Rocco, uh, and some you know more respected global traders like Eric Sprott who come out and 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 in, in, intimate that this is. For monetary demand, right. and I hate to burst your bubble if you're a holder of physical silver. Uh, it might be good for you uh, anyways in the long term, yeah. but these are for solar panels, yeah. uh, especially in China and India, where these, these smart city projects are, are rising in tandem with the building of these silver stockpiles. Oh. So it, it will be very interesting to see by the end of COP21, which is... Coming up pretty soon here, yep. despite the fact that they say they want a, a bit of an extension to see whether or not those solar, those massive solar subsidies in the form of precious metals rigging are not going to be uh, enough to at least bring India to the table because China is certainly on board. Yeah. Well, speaking of China being on board, why don't we go to um, this clip from PBS NewsHour that you sent me the other day? Oh, uh, you pulled it? Got it. Here we go. It's a classic. It is. It's beautiful. Here we go. It's not hard to get a sense of public concern, even anger. The air is not good, and it's getting worse and worse. At the sidewalk barber shop outside the industrial city of Tianjin, people shared their feelings, though not their names. You do feel the pollution when you breathe. It's a lot more polluted than before. The water is also polluted, and our food. The officials are corrupt. People with money can buy favor. Corrupt officials are everywhere. Sounds like America. Ma says there's growing political will in Beijing to tackle the crisis. Standards have been tightened, and factories are now required to report their emission levels in real time. <laughs> All right, so this is great. I love it. They're required to report their emission level. They don't got to do shit about it. They just got to report it. IPE then makes this information user-friendly to the public, online and now on mobile. This is a large power plant just outside the industrial city of Tianjin, and it's one of thousands of industrial sites across the country that are monitored. And that information is readily available to anyone who's downloaded the IPE app onto their smartphone. As it turns out, this plant today is well within the range of allowable emissions. As you can see, there are dozens of plants being monitored. Some of them are in the red zone, and the one that we're standing in front of comes in at 33. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Magic number. Oh, isn't it nice? They love to just throw it at you. When I heard that loud, I just, they're live, I just burst out with with a, a hearty chuckle. I don't understand yeah. why it always has to show up, but whatever. I mean, it is what well, it is. And Jake, earlier on in that segment, they uh, noted the the unsustainable manufacturing practices of yep. the engine causing yep. a number of explosions and uh, environmental degradation that was linked to the air quality. Yep. I mean, I, I wrote a, I wrote an, a series of articles about this uh, four or five months ago. Uh, one uh, that was... Uh, solely focused on Tianjin uh, uh, EcoCity, which is a joint project between China and Singapore. Uh, and it's a, it's a smart city with all of the UN bells and whistles. Uh, and I, I wrote an extensive article documenting the connections of the Trilateral Commission, uh, corporations affiliated with, with the Trilateral Commission and the Anglo-American establishment yeah. in erecting these smart cities, not only in China, but throughout Asia, 
Uh, and the Tianjin was one that I specifically focused on. So I find it interesting, to say the least, that this is now the city that has not only experienced these catastrophic explosions, which have rendered a lot of its manufacturing base uh, <laughs> uninhabitable, mm. or at least uh, no no longer existing in the way that it, it once was, but are um, it, now promoting the the growth of these new green infrastructure projects um, I, in Western media as well. Well, I think it's I think it's imperative for us to um, do something that you and I talked about on the phone yesterday, and that's. Uh, to clarify what we mean by the Anglo-American establishment, because right now it is being foisted into the um, uh, alternative media as just the um, America and Britain, where that is solely, wholly, wholly wrong. Um, the definition that I would say, uh, and Josh, I want to get your definition on this too, Uh, The Anglo-American establishment would be anybody that would be in favor of Western ideology or has been colonized by the West. That would include, uh, that would include Canada. That would include Australia. That would include India. That's part of the West as well. That would definitely include Israel, which never gets talked about as being part of the Western power structure. So it is not just about England Saudi and America. Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that Saudi Arabia is another big player. That was basically set up by the West to, I mean, you look at Wahhabism and all of that stuff that was all basically uh, America turned a blind eye to, uh, to the radical Wahhabists. And guess what? Now, now we fund them to go and destabilize countries. But, uh, Josh, yeah. would you, uh, would you care to add to, to my definition or, or is that, um, is that enough? No, I, th- I think that's an excellent definition, Jake. Uh, but, I mean, if we really want to get specific about it, I would say that uh, Carol Quigley's definition, which yeah. is the one that I would most closely ascribe to, he says that the Anglo-American establishment is those countries who are affiliated mm-hmm. with this power with this power nexus that was set up at the uh, behest of the last one, Testament of Cecil John Rhodes, mm-hmm. the Rhodes Roundtable. If they are affiliated with the global power nexus of central banks, through the Bank for International Settlements. Mm-hmm. If you have a se- if your country has a central bank that takes its marching orders from the Bank for International Settlements, then unfortunately you are a member of the Anglo-American establishment, whether you like it or not. Yep. Uh, and regardless of what any alt-media blowhard writes about your country uh, <laughs> to, to suggest or intimate anything to, to the contrary, that is what you are. Um, yeah, and I would just like to implore uh, people who have been active in the alternative media or, or, or who, who read it and follow it, because I know there are people out there that follow the same sources we do, Jake, the Zero Hedges, sure. you know, all of these other kind of popular alt-media blogs. Veterans what, today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not saying that all of these sources are universally bad or everything that they publish no. is untrue, but I just... People, you were told for three years now that, that for some reason the Chinese, the BRICS nations... We're going to usher in this golden era of gold-plated puppies and kittens raining from heaven that the gold-backed yuan would save the world uh, and you know, we would avoid World War III and all global conflict, uh, or at least a large portion of the world economy would be um, uh, kept intact by some form of gold-backing. And some other level-headed analysts, um, I, and I count myself among them, really drilled down into these policy papers and said, no, that's not what's happening at all. The, the People's Bank of China is, is vying for inclusion into the yuan, or into the, excuse me, for inclusion of the yuan yep. into the SDR basket. Simultaneously, you have Western institutions like Chatham House lobbying for uh, a partial gold backing of that same basket, the, uh, the IMF's special drawing, right? And, of course, we saw the first pillar of that... Um, new infrastructure take place earlier this month uh, when China was officially accepted into the SDR basket. Again, something that if you did not listen to these prognosticators in the alternative media and instead read the policy papers for yourself, it would have been abundantly clear that this is what is going to happen. It would have been abundantly clear as early as 2009 when the People's Bank of China uh, authored a paper by Xiao Xiaochuan the head of the People's Bank of China, who also happens to be the executive director at the Bank of International Settlements, Jake. So oh, well, isn't that just special? 
Exactly. The Anglo-American establishment never sleeps, the empire never forgets, and it never forgives. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how many times we have to be duped as an alt-media collective. I hate to refer to it that way, but well, how many times do you have to have the wool pulled over your eyes before you realize you're being played, people? Come on. I, I don't know how many times do you, I, I don't know how many times do you have to hear Alex Jones talk about Putin's a leader of the free world. And Putin this and Putin that and how he's doing all these great things when really what he's doing is he's cherry he's cherry picking his statements in order to fit his narrative and it drives me absolutely bonkers because well, isn't it, isn't it's not journalism of the Surkov propaganda yeah that I'm, one side chooses the negative and another the positive so yeah. you have Dave Hodges uh, who says Vladimir Putin's going to start World War Three tomorrow and let's yep. go and we've got Alex Jones on the other side and a number of other people who says he's the new Jesus yeah it's it's really it's really amazing because if you don't take take it and and see the forest for the trees you're you're really not getting a full scope of what's going on and if you see somebody flip-flopping like that if that happened in America people would be like oh he's a flip-flopper but since it happens in foreign press and nobody really goes and digs it up and looks at it you know with a critical eye it's like oh that fits my narrative that fits my worldview it's it's really cheap it's a really cheap way to go about things and uh, I'm just extremely disappointed with Alex Jones, and I'll just voice my opinion now. Um, even over the last three years, somebody's got to him, or this divorce that he's going through is is getting to him, because he's going very mainline. He's uh, he's really getting on this idea of Trump being president, uh, even though he says that he doesn't want Trump. He says he might want Ted Cruz, which I mean, come on, Ted, man! If Ted, you're getting, Ted if Cruz you're against global, yeah, I know. On foreign relations, I, wife. I know, man. I know, and he even talks about. Well, I do have reservations about his wife being connected with Goldman Sachs and the CFR. Uh, I mean, just come on. And right, and writing the document with the Kagans about how to overthrow Ukraine. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. give me a These break. Give me a break, people. I mean, anybody that you see in front of you, um, uh, fortunately, America. Anybody that you see in front of you, save Trump. I don't know what that guy is. I think that he's using. Uh, I, I I don't know what he is. I, I think that he's he's a passionate person, but saying that. All right, here we go. All right, so let's get into him then. All right, I've got two hit. I got two hits for you. Here we go. Uh, one. This is go. Go ahead, man. If you want to close out this segment before we get into to swoop here, we'll we'll close it out. I suppose. I suppose more to introduce the next if we're going to be moving on to the into Trump Town. Yeah, because, let's move into Trump Town, and then we'll talk yeah. about uh, our boy from Chicago, which nobody has like dug this clip up. By the way, I don't know how I'm very nobody. Surprised at that. Yeah. It's a great find. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I dude, he's got to pay attention. All right, go ahead, man. What were you saying? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was just going to bring up. Um, we, when we talk about the rise of Donald Trump in America and the Nazi meme as it's being presented in this country, <laughs> we have to we have to think about not only the Second World War, which uh, I, 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 even if you follow mainstream media, it's very clear at this point that the Western world is being propagandized to accept some form of new conflict. The yeah. Pearl Harbor worship yeah. that was so over the top this Sunday on every network yeah. was... Um, quite unsettling to say the least in that regard but we have these analogs all over the western world right yeah. now jake yeah um we have that in the form of nigel farage with ukip yeah uh and again another another cherry picking of the alternative yep. media uh nigel farage says some wonderful things about finance and economics but then he says he uh, wants a u.n police force to go attack isis like what the yeah, hell go, go Go, yeah, you civil libertarians go listen to nigel farage on pretty much anything uh, but economics and uh see what kind of a character he really is uh we've got marine le pen and her um former neo-nazi party in france uh we have panos kamenos in greece who's the other half of the syriza co coalition they are the far-right guys who are uh not quite as far-right as golden dawn but are still pretty far-right <laughs> um who's yeah. golden and golden dawn please uh let people know if they don't if they're not following this stuff yet Oh, for so Golden Dawn is a Nazi party in Greece, um, yeah, and the, they've lost they've lost a significant amount of political clout uh, over the years since the rise of Syriza. Yeah. But <laughs> given the way Syriza has treated the Greek people over the past year, uh, the unsettling fact remains that this could uh, this could turn again at any moment. My point is, and now of course Donald Trump here in America. So we have all of these uh, Western 
leaders who could uh, be readily identified as fascists, not just in the sense that we are all fascists now, the blending of state and corporate power, but in the sense that they could actually represent um, something akin to uh, at least a dictatorial persona. Uh, so we have this rise throughout Western society simultaneously with the rise of this new boogeyman uh, in, in the Middle East, uh, you know, whose uh, existence and whose actual power is, you know, uh, dubious at best. Um, but again, just for the sake of the historical parallel, mm -hmm. which may be occurring organically or may be synthetic, uh, but I just find it interesting that we have this coalition of uh, European and, uh, and Arab Nazis throughout the Middle East and North Africa who fought in World War II as yeah. the two major powers in the, uh, in the European theater, and we're shaping up to see something very, very similar. And that was something uh, that was something interesting that came out of Germany a couple of what was it a couple of weeks ago where you and I had that conversation about how um, there was something to say that Nazis were only in Germany, and that was just not the case when you had Erwin Rommel down there in in Egypt and and the entire north coast of Africa that that basically radicalized all these guys well before we even stepped in and the Mossad even stepped in to to radicalize these guys as well. They were they were the Arab Nazis. I mean, it, it was it was baffling, and and people just ate it up like, oh yes, it's so. I mean, people stop being children. These are these are bedtime stories. No, we're we're all grown ups now. We don't need bedtime stories. We need reality. Don't listen to the bedtime stories because that's all this crap is. Simplified, nice and easy to digest. It's an easy world. Just listen to the authority figures and they'll tell you exactly what's going on. Actually, they'll probably lead you into war because they want to make money. But that's beside the point. Uh, and you want me to roll the, the Trump clip or you got anything else? Oh, just uh, real quick before we do, just wanted to distinguish, you know, Jake, because that's a perfect historical example. You know, the Wahhabists or the Salafists, yep. who are a relatively new branch of Islam, you know, it was founded yep. in the late 1700s, mm -hmm. uh, were brought to power by the British in the 20s in Saudi Arabia. Uh, then they later uh, ally themselves with the Nazis because right. they're like, hey, the Wahhabism, Salafism, and Nazism is pretty much the same thing, right? Yeah, so, we all, <laughs> all want to kill a bunch of people. Fantastic. Everybody get yeah, on board. Let's the, do it. Exactly. So they team up, and uh, Im immediately after that, uh, you know, they fall back into the hands of the Anglo-American establishment. Yeah. Uh, you know, one could argue that they never even left the Anglo-American yeah. no, establishment, no. but that's a topic for another day. Yeah, we got a big <laughs> man. We got to put together a big show. We got to put together a big show one day. Maybe, maybe after the first of the year. Um, maybe after mega, we, mega, hey, how, mega New Year special. yeah, or how about this? How about after we get our, um, my new website up, um, and after we get our first donation, we will put together, uh, the big, the big coup de gras, the big conflagration. Um, so here is Mr. Uh, Mr. Donald Trump talking about, um, Muslims, which was actually taken out of context by a bunch of people. So I want to give you guys the full clip of what he said, and then I want to, um, jump right into his second clip, and then Josh and I will break both of these down before we go to, um, to this guy that just absolutely disgusts me. Creeps me out, but disgusts me at the same time. So here we go. Here's um, probably the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. Good luck, everybody. Donald J. Trump is calling for... Now, listen, you got to listen to this one because this is pretty, pretty heavy stuff, and it's common sense. Listen, listen to how he sets this up, Josh. This is beautiful. He's a wordsmith. He knows exactly what he's doing here, where he says, listen three times, and then he said, this is common sense. It's fantastic. Donald J. Trump is calling for it. Now, listen, you got to listen to this one, because this is pretty, pretty heavy stuff, and it's common sense, and we have to do it. Remember the poll numbers, 25%, 51%. Remember the poll numbers. Okay, so remember this. So listen. Donald These J. Three Trump listens. is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. So most of the media cut it out right about, hold on. Entering the United States. Yeah, they cut it right there where he says, well, I'll wind it back a little bit. And complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. 
So he leaves it right there. So you can make all kinds of fancy arguments for that if you clip everything. This is why the media is so untrustworthy. Until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. And he's referring to the open borders, which is uh, known. We have no choice. We have no choice. We have no choice. According to Pew Research, among others, there is a great hatred toward Americans by large segments of the Muslim population. Well, gee, shocker. Uh, You've destabilized their entire region for the last 50 years. Most recently, a poll from Center for Security Policy released data showing 25% of those polled agreed that Josh, who is that outfit? Center for Security Policy. Have you ever heard of those guys before? Uh, Never, but I'm sure it's some think tank center of goons who crank out fake studies. All might as well just might as well just rock out Stratford, dude. Just go for it. Violence against Americans. These are people that are here. Oh, here. People here. Mm -hmm. Twenty-five. Hey, see how he's playing on the words, Josh? Do you remember the big? um, Do you remember the big? the big headlines on Drudge Report. They're here. They're here. This is, is, is I do not because I don't frequent the Drudge Report. I frequent it every day. That would to, not surprise me. I frequent it every day to keep tabs on this stuff. Just like just like Alex Jones is my beat, which I'm getting very very disheartened from. But anyway, so um, I think it's interesting that, like I said, um, and like you and I talked about the other day. Uh, World Net Daily, uh, Infowars, all these guys are very succinct in their narrative. And it, it's really becoming skeptic. I'm becoming skeptical at this point, but continuing, got a little bit left. Not 1%. By the way, 1% would be unacceptable. That I agree 1% with him on. 1% is unacceptable. I'm going to wind that back a little bit. I'm going to wind that of back those a little polls. bit. By the way, 1% would be Hold unacceptable on. against Americans. These are people pretty policy. Released data showing 25% of those polled agreed that violence against Americans. These are people that are here, by the way. People are here. 25, not 1%. By the way, 1% would be unacceptable. 1% is unacceptable. Josh, would you agree as a, a volunteer, or I'm a, I guess, self-described voluntarist anarchist, would you believe that violence is unacceptable? Given policy, if if you define violence as the initiation of force, yes, 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 absolutely, because that's what he's talking about: unprovoked initiation of force. Twenty-five percent of those polled agreed that violence against Americans here in the United States is justified as part. Think of that as part of the global jihad. Oh, and then there you have it. Then you have the booze. All right, next clip, and then we're gonna we're gonna break all this stuff down. Well, 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 J.K. We, I have to I have to bring this one up. So we invoked, uh, you know, the non-aggression principle there. Sure. So you know, I mean, if we want to actually technically be specific about this, they're uh, actually defending it, it, themselves. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I, that's all that's right. what I was getting at. All right. Yeah, but, I get you. But all right, well, well, I agree. Hard. Hard targets would be uh, defending them. There we go. Right? Yeah, go last, attack the government, last, man. Last time I checked, uh, you know these these Wahhabist Salafists uh, never go after hard targets and haven't since '79 when they were created. They go after uh, oh. the little guy. Oh come on, man! You, are you talking Gladio about be through and through? Yeah, are you talking about creating a, a constant state of fear and in the population that hasn't done anything? Come on, that would be a conspiracy theory. Here we go. All right. Um, last one. This is the one that's really concerning, everybody. Buckle your britches. Because we're losing a lot of people because of the Internet. And we have to do something. We have to go see Bill Gates and a lot of different people that really understand what's happening. Bill Gates does not understand the Internet, but that's okay. We have to talk to them, maybe in certain areas, closing that Internet up in some way. Somebody will say, oh, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. 
These are foolish people. We have a lot of foolish people. We have a lot of foolish people. We've got to maybe do something with the internet because they are recruiting by the thousands. Recruiting on the internet. There's that meme again. They're recruiting on the internet through social media. They're social media geniuses. All right, Josh, we've got 10 minutes left. This uh, this ROM clip is a little bit long. Any, um, I guess we can go ahead and do this then. Oh, well, well, Jake, in addition to being social media geniuses. Huh? I was so, I'm sorry, I just want to say, in addition to being social media geniuses, um, <laughs> from, from your famed Drudge Report, it is now being reported uh, that U.S. intelligence, from your boys at Homeland Security Investigates, Jake, you know, we've been yeah, covering them love since, these since their guys. beginning. We're, we're just so proud of our new national police force, aren't we, Jake? You know, if they kick down my how, door right now, I'd be sure to lick their boots. How, how does nobody even know that this group exists? And the recruiting um, tool that I played on the podcast when... Like, uh, whatever. Go ahead, man. The American people do not pay attention. It's okay, it's man. It's sad. okay. It's, it's all right. They'll wait. They're They're waking up. I mean, listen, man. We're getting 25%. We're getting 25% on every show. So we're doing something right. Once again. I'm, I'm glad, but when we have to compete with hashtag Brangelina and yeah, whatever, whatever the fuck else the American yeah. people are looking at these days. Who cares? More, but, share the show with people you love, people you know, people you like, and people that want to actually ask questions. But anyways, uh, ISIS is now reported to have um, not only a passport printing machine in Syria, in their headquarters in Raqqa, but also a stash of blank passports, Jake. But what about them burning all the passports? What happened to that? I I don't know either. I wonder if these are just the passports that they're supposed to scatter around after the Gladio false flag networks to leave uh, some kind of, you know, fake paper trail for their limited hangout of... CIA goons. No, I know. Um, I know it, what it is, Josh. I know what it is. What is it? They got the passport making machine that was used to create the passport for nine eleven that was explosion proof. Oh yeah, they 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 went on over to the Venice Flying Circus and they got it from <laughs> Mohammed Atta, who is uh, may, who may or may not still be alive. But or the or the German guy or uh, or what's his or what's his name? The German guy. Yeah. Uh, Wolfgang Boringer certainly knows whether or not Muhammad <laughs> is still alive, but I don't think we'll be talking to him anytime soon. Oh god! Uh, I just, I just find it so comical, Jake, that not only is ISIS creating their own passports, which of course stresses the need for a global biometric ID. Oh, absolutely. Why wouldn't? Yeah, you? which is absolutely the case. What I don't understand is how how are RFID, uh, you know, mandatory RFID implemented passports from. 2007 haven't stopped this already. It's amazing. You we have all these we have all these stop gaps and they just they find a way, Josh. They're they're crafty the little Muslims. They're crafty. Hmm. This is so sick. Cool. This is ridiculous. Well, all right. I'm very I'm very scared. All right, so, so everybody um, scared. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrified. All right, um so everyone uh the Obama administration came out and said that they need to close the quote-unquote loophole for um, being on the no-fly list, which is um, <coughs> illegal as hell. Um, you can't just put somebody on a list arbitrarily here in America. And my wife was bringing up to me, she's like, did you know about this 8-year-old boy that's on the no-fly list? I'm like, yeah, what about the 8-year-old girl that's on there? I'm like, yeah, it happens all the time. And she's like, well, yeah, it's causing a lot of problems. I'm like, yeah, because nobody knows how you get on, and you don't know how you get off. Uh, we had one of our friends that was on there for a while. Um, so... Here's your boy, Rahm Emanuel, everybody, leader of the free world, um, telling you how we're going to put you on an arbitrary list, and then um, you don't get to own a gun. This is the big uh, talking point from the Democrats, uh, even though both of the guns were bought legally that were used in California, and the, both of the rifles that they so-called used are outlawed in California, especially the uh, high-capacity magazines. But... You know what? Let's not look at the actual law and what it says. Let's uh, all play goody two shoes and feel good because guns make loud noises and they scare me. So. Now, what do we got to do? All right, so tell me that this doesn't sound like a gangster to you. I'm sorry, Josh. And this was back, um, this was uploaded back in 2009. I think this took place in 2008, right before the election cycle. So here we go. Rahm Emanuel, 2008. This is not a new narrative, everybody, but everybody thinks it's new. Love it. 
And then there's a really good gem in there, and I'm going to hit the Mario coin when he hits it. So, everybody, keep score at home. I think we're at five coins right now. Now, what do we got to do? Because let's be, I'm inserted. What we got to do, Josh? Hey, well, hey, hey. Hey, what we got to do? Is not defined by just Republicans. There are Democrats intimidated by this issue. Intimidated by this Wrongly, stuff. but intimidated, and they think their politics and their community is such that they can't do this. He's eating cold cuts and pieces of cheese as he says this. this legislation <laughs> put together a crime strategy like we had before, which is why we passed the bill today on the cops, putting money back into putting police officers on there, getting voices for change, and then making sure that we have a president, I cannot put my partisanship aside, a Democratic president, oh. nice. who will take that office and use it to protect the streets and the kids that grow up on those streets. Okay, so remember, this is 2008, so I wonder who he's talking about. And make sure that we once again have an assault weapon ban, a Brady bill with the full force of the law on the land, because we need somebody in the Oval Office that moves this Congress. Hey, Josh, where did uh, Obama give the speech about closing the loophole from? Was that Chicago? No, he gave it from the Oval Office. Oh, isn't that cute? Oh, was it? Yeah, it's very, very cute. There you go. Here we go. We had an election about change. People are clear about the special interests. They are tired of that gridlock that special interests cause in Washington. Um, special interests don't charge that. The politicians do. But whatever. Here hey, come, Hey, here comes the goods. Here comes the goods, everybody. Get ready. And I think the most simple thing we can do, and we've got to make this a number one issue, as a test vote and then take it into the election. That is, if you are on the no-fly list... Because you are known as maybe a possible terrorist. I'm going to rewind that for everybody playing the home game. You are known as maybe a possible terrorist. And then take it into the election. That is, if you are on the no-fly list, because you are known as maybe a possible terrorist, you cannot buy a handgun in America. Yay! Clap, slaves, you jokers! So, Josh, you know, you know, I, I guess we only got one thing that we can really do, Josh. What is that, Jake? Here's what I would do: I'd sit in cow manure, <laughs> and I'd spread it all over my body. That's what I would do. And I'm not kidding. I'm not laughing. Sorry, I had to get it in at least once. <sighs> that man is insane, and, and ninety I love it. seconds. Ugh. All right, so we're about out of we're about out of time, everybody. But um, yeah, so this is not a new narrative. This is something they wanted from the get go, and never let a good never let a crisis go to waste. All that other stuff, and you know, try to take advantage of the sheeple, and um, and so I uh, go ahead, Josh. I want you to um, tell people where they can find your work, and then I'll close with my thoughts. Oh, I just, well, real quickly, I just wanted to say I love that Ron Emanuel the safety of the children of Chicago. Gotta uh, invoke the children, was, baby. And the children are our future. Yeah. Well, Jake, was it, uh, what city was it again where, uh, you know, esteemed <laughs> or lauded child pedophile and uh, international criminal, also former Republican Speaker of the House, Dennis Hastert, I believe he was uh, just, on trial or, or negotiated a plea bargain for something related to raping little kids. Uh, what district court was that in? That, mm, that I just off? can't remember. Oh, man. Mm. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you should look that up, people. Boilingfrogspost.com. Look up Dennis Hastert. If you don't already know, because you should. And if you aren't already following my work on statelesshomesteading.com, you should be doing that, too. All right. Ten well, seconds. That's gonna do it, everybody. Well, remember, uh, thanks for thanks for listening. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Um, we will be here next uh, next Thursday. Sorry, we missed. Uh, we skipped out on Turkey Day. I kind of gave myself a break. Ate a bunch of food and drank a lot of uh, a lot of alcohol and did all that good stuff. So. We did all that, and um, we will be here next week. Remember, the show will be moving off of the Blog Talk radios here pretty soon, so get all of your stuff together and uh, follow my work at wearenotcattle.net. You can find all the show notes uh, linked there in the next 30 minutes. Uh, Remember, if you are passing this along to your friends and family, 
please wait a day or so before you share the link because we would like to upload the high-quality audio. So uh, that's it. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Peace, love, and liberty, everybody. Um, Let's try to change the world one mind at a time. Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.